the Westlot Pirates, and welcome to the show. We're here to share our thoughts on Northwestern athletics and college sports with thoughts and analysis from the visceral to the statistical. We run our tailgate with the red pirate flag flying high above as we give no quarter, especially the fourth. I'm Sam Walter. I'm John Lacombe. And I'm Eric Skoskowsko. Well, things have changed since uh, we last spoke a little bit, <laughs> um, to put it mildly. Uh, today was supposed to be our 10th uh, you know, March Madness Bracketology, uh, podcast with Scott Sebich. And I think it would only be fair, uh, to bring him on. Uh, Scott, thanks for taking the time to jump on with us tonight. Um, yeah, at the, um, the end of the March Madness world, it's, it's very odd. I'm looking at a couple of like bracketologies that just last updated on March 12th and like that's it. Like it just ended in the middle of everything and now we're just. Trying to pick up the pieces of it. Um, obviously, much more serious things in the world, but hopefully, a, lo- a little bit of levity can be taken out of uh, uh, talking about what might have been in the college basketball world. Yeah, how how, how crazy down. how crazy is it that one of the last games to be played before everything shut down was Northwestern losing in the first round of the uh, Big Ten men's tournament? Yeah, the basketball stuck around just long enough for us to lose, and <laughs> get out of the way. So, well, it's. The other crazy thing is, I mean, last week we had Lisa Byington on, and we didn't know, but she ended up calling the last game of the year. I think she, it was... Oh, uh, the last half. Well, yeah. The last half of, of the year. I think, it, you know, I think Tim Brando was on that game also. And, yeah, we just were emailing with her just recently, too, and we'd been trying to figure out how we were going to get her on because she had so much on her plate. And so many different games and, and was looking ahead to the tournament, et cetera. And then she was like, good thing you guys did it when you did because there was there wouldn't be a, a heck of a lot. But with that said, right, we're we're going to go at it. We're going to go at a, uh, I guess, a slightly more hypothetical way to look at uh, year 10 of, of this bracket uh, for sure. What what would have been, not what will be. Yeah, it's, it's nice to get to look at this again because i mean the, the last week has been it's been so long but so short right i mean like it, a week ago it, we were just playing everybody's playing games and it was just like business as usual and and you know now we're here today and it's almost like uh you know i know yesterday was when the brackets should have been announced and today was when we'd be talking about you know what's going on i almost, I almost just forgot about it i mean like it's we're so focused on other things right now that it's just like, oh yeah, this was supposed to be going on too, and it's it's just, it's so weird how it was consuming my mind five days ago, and it like basically exited my mind by today. But but it is uh, it is fun to uh, to look at it one more time at least before we uh, put it in the rearview mirror forever. Yeah, how, how crazy is it that you know today was supposed to be the day that we celebrated the Northwestern women's team getting uh, you know two or a three seed. In the, in the tournament, uh, getting some home games. Um, you know, that, that, you know, that's something that, you know, we should have been talking about today. Obviously, uh, you know, things are what they are, but, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, we could kind of start, you know, talking wh- where things were. Uh, you kind of where, what we were thinking, what we were looking at as far as, um, you know, the number one seeds in the men's tournament. Um, you know, it's pretty, uh, you had Gonzaga, Kansas, Dayton, Baylor, kind of as what people thought might have been the top. San Diego State is, you know, right there. Kentucky, 
Um, Creighton, Florida State, and on Joe Lenardi's, uh, bracket, last bracketology, they were the two seed, they would, would have been the two seeds. Um, you know, what, what are your thoughts on those? I mean, it's, you know, I just saw that Creighton, you know, when you were talking about Creighton, and I was just like, wow, really? They were going to be two? Well, going into their tournament, everybody thought they were, they were going to probably drop down just because, uh, what their, their best, their top scorer, um, one of their big defenders was was gonna miss the conference tournament with a knee injury, right? Yes, I believe so. And but but even so, I mean, just looking at 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 some of these seeds, I mean, this is one of those. I remember thinking a week ago, I'm like, man, this is gonna be like one of the most wide open tournaments we've had, unless Kansas just like you know kicked it into high gear and just blew everybody out which was a possibility but well it was one of the it was one of the most open regular seasons that we've had in in years right yeah i mean there were just teams you know the number one kept getting passed around and uh teams that were really highly ranked just completely fell off the map and some teams came out of nowhere it was it so it i should i should say right now we should not not actually hit pause, but stop for a second and think, A, our podcast is growing listeners all the time. B, there's a chance that there are a giant amount of listeners devouring this content right now because it's even vaguely related Northwestern sports content and, and you're all star for it right now. We should probably explain, for those of us who haven't been for all 10 of us, where you know one of the reasons why we have Scott on. Scott, friend of the pod, friend of us, um, Northwestern alum, but you've been running a massive March Madness basketball pool uh, tournament that predates even our podcast. And, um, you know, we were talking, it was so interesting that it's like, in a bizarre way, you know, this will maybe a, be a little bit of a breather for you this year, just because of the 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 sheer size of that tournament. Um, you know, one, one year is just to, to kind of Rest, rest, take your breath a little bit before you launch into another. How many years has it been for that pool now? Well, I've I've done something in some form or another probably for 25 years, but um, <laughs> it, kind of in the form that it's in, it's been a it's been about 20, yeah, almost 20 years now, probably like going back to um, late in my late in my college days. So, uh, you know, it's funny like the tech technology has made it really not a whole lot of work for me anymore i mean like uh, between you know software doing all the calculations for me and uh being able to just track everything quickly i don't even it got to the point where i didn't even have to really do anything but hit one button and everything was updated uh which is a far cry from um you know even 10 12 years ago when i had to do a lot more manual work or even 15 years ago when I was uh, inputting everybody's score individually into like uh, some HTML code that I could then put into a, uh, you know, into a website. So, um, and then and before that it was just literally printing out brackets and cross, you know, crossing out teams and circling by hand. So uh, as far as the actual amount of work it takes me these days, it's pretty much a, a well-oiled machine. So, um, I don't necessarily, it's not one of those things where I necessarily am, am saving myself a lot of work, but, um, you know, there were times a few years back when I was like, oh, you know, this is, do I want to keep running this or not? But now 
now when it, when it's gone once, you're just like, oh yeah, I really missed it. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm I'm, I'm bummed that it's that, that it's not there. So, um, but, but yeah, it's it's just one of those things that you know you just count on it every year, and then you know it's just it's almost like it's it's not really it's not really March. Running a much smaller, uh, hackier, and less impressive college hockey bracket for several years now, I I understand everything that you were saying, and I and I, I couldn't agree more. It it seems like it's weird to me, Scott, because over the years that we've done this, I feel like you know one of the talking points that we always have every year is like, okay, so either what are you, who's the team that everyone's banging, right, or who are you expecting to see everybody really go for, and. You know, to, I guess to Scuzz's point from her, like, I don't even know who that would be this year. I mean, you've got Kansas and Gonzaga up at the top of the up uh, at the top of the pole, but I mean, this Kansas team, you know, had guys suspended for a brawl earlier this year, and like, like it's not like they're a lead pipe lock up at the top. Nor is Gonzaga, um, and I'm I'm kind of wondering if you're thinking that like that this would be a year where there would be more sentimental national championship picks. Then I just, you know, just because you've got Dayton with a legit shot, San Diego State with a legit shot, even like a Creighton, you know, I mean, I teams where where people might actually be like, you know what, this is the year I'm just going to root for the little guy and see if he makes it that far. But I don't know. Maybe not. Yeah, I think this year, I, I suspect if we had gone through with this and, and the bracket looked like, you know, what we're seeing from ESPN. I think Kansas would have been the overwhelming choice. And that's because, you know, really when you think about it, there's only a limited number of people who are following this really closely who enter these pools. So Kansas is such a, like, well-known name. It's number one seed. You know, Gonzaga is always there but has this reputation of not quite, you know, making it as far as they should except for the one time they made it to to the title game. Dayton is a completely unknown team, so I could see a lot of people just being like, you know, what's this about? And just not picking them just because they don't really know anything about them. So, uh, And Baylor is, you know, another team that's, they're usually there, but they're usually not a top team. So I I think most people probably would have gravitated towards the one team that they just had the most recognition of and has, you know, consistently done pretty well over the years. So I would have suspected actually that, that, it wouldn't have been, I think I think it would have been a probably a pretty solid maybe 40 percent or so on Kansas this year uh, would have been my guess what's interesting with with the manifestation of this bracket that's on ESPN with Joe Lenardi is that when you go down to the two line I think the exact same thing that you just described at the one line um, exists as well as well so Kentucky San Diego State Florida State Creighton except that Kentucky and Kansas were placed in the same bracket. And so the, to me, the permutations, cause, cause I think you're right. I think, you know, people would look at Kansas, but I think a lot of people would also look at Kentucky and be like, oh, it's one, one of these two teams. But like all the other permutations, there's, there's no like obvious, you know, third or fourth choice. I guess, I guess maybe Michigan State or Duke or Nova coming from the three line, but, um, I mean, it just it just underscores how wide open and interesting this would have been. It would have been a very interesting bracket to fill out because I think I like I I always I always try to avoid picking that obvious overall choice, which is probably in part why I've never come close to winning anything. Um, but it like it would have been really interesting to choose between these teams and kind of fun in some ways. 
Uh, it would have been interesting, I think. And, you know, of course, we have no idea how these how these regions would have broken out and, and who would have been in what bracket and all that kind of stuff. But if if it was like what we're seeing here and the West brackets, the top five teams uh, in that bracket would have been Gonzaga, San Diego State, Seton Hall, Oregon, and Michigan. And, you know, it's like Michigan was at one point ranked, I think, in the top five, but they, you know, fell back during the Big Ten season. And Oregon was also a highly ranked team that, had a kind of a struggle in the middle of the year. Seton Hall was a team that was hyped up throughout the year and it sometimes looked great, sometimes didn't look so great. I mean, there's – and then, like you said, I mean, then you have another bracket that might have had Kansas and Kentucky in it, or you might have had you know, a bracket that had uh, – um, you know, there's another one that had Baylor, Creighton, you know. So, yeah, it would have been really interesting to see if they had really actually placed some of these some of these – bigger teams in the same bracket if they would have put Kansas, Kentucky, Duke, Wisconsin, Auburn all in one all in one bracket that would have been crazy because it would have opened up so much in the other three brackets to these you know these quote unquote sort of more unconventional choices um but you know of course we will never know but um certainly would have been interesting how how inter- like i find it very fascinating that you know we talk about uh, how wide open that this bracket could have been. And yet 10 teams from the Big Ten are in Lunardi's uh, last bracketology, which, and, you know, when we go Seems back... Seems generous. It does, but, you know, you go back and you look at just even the microcosm of the Big Ten conference, um, and, you know, how that all played out, just the wide open, like, everyone was kind of beating up on everyone. Um, you know, Michigan State in, in this bracket was a three seed, and that's the highest seed of a Big Ten team. But, you know, just it, it's really interesting how much the Big Ten beat up on itself, and yet Lenardi would put 10 teams in. Well, I think it's just a typical Big Ten year in the sense of a lot of pretty good teams probably would have resulted in the, in the conference not winning the championship yet yeah. again for the 2020th or 21st year in a row or whatever. Um, Is Michigan the last Big Ten team to win it? No, uh, it was Michigan State. Oh, Michigan State. Okay. The, um, the uh, I think that was in two thousand. Mateen Cleves. The Mateen Cleves year. Yeah. Okay. That was two thousand. You're, you're thinking of Michigan when they had a pretty sizable lead against, I think Louisville, right? And then um, it all kind of flipped on them in the last five to eight minutes of the game. Yeah, right? that, that that might have been. I I, right, I yeah, thought I mean, it was. Yeah, that was you, ago. I thought it was Michigan, but yeah, Michigan State makes sense. But to your to your point, twelve of the fourteen teams in the Big Ten were really capable of beating anyone on any given night. And then there was Nebraska and Northwestern. <laughs> Northwestern. <laughs> we were capable of playing well for thirty minutes against several teams. <laughs> True. It was the last ten. That... I don't think we've discussed this on the podcast necessarily. Can anyone explain what the hell happened in that Penn State game? Not really. Yeah, I didn't get to see it. I was on an airplane. I didn't get to see it. So. Yeah, no, I've I watched the the end of it, and it was just yeah, it was all those things came together, and based on everything that had happened so far in that game, I was just watching the end of it and kind of texting you guys, being like, it's becoming increasingly difficult to figure out how we're going to blow this lead, um, and <laughs> being like, being like, I mean, and truly being like, this is going to be really hard for us to do this, and it sounds, you know, it sounds like, you know like just being a negative Nancy to say it that way. But 
truth be told, like we all endured the same season. Like that happened again and again and again. Um, and they didn't. They stayed hot all the way through and, and pulled it out. I mean, it was great for those guys, especially since everything that happened and, you know, the by the time we lost in the Big Ten tournament, I think by that time that game happened, hardly anyone was paying attention to the results of the games at all. And I think in that sense, that Penn State game will probably be the main thing people remember as the end of the season for Northwestern men. So that's good anyway. Um, I think, you know, the the total lackluster nature of that season is quickly being forgotten by just about everybody. I think uh, it just was the kind of season that in a climate like this, pretty easy to totally forget about. Scott, what's your, what's your, what's your most optimistic view of Northwestern coming off of, uh, off of this season going into next year? It's my most optimistic view. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like, uh, actually, I mean, I, you know, I'm not completely pessimistic about what's happening. I, I, I feel like there's, I feel like there's something there and, I mean, you know, they, they legitimately played very well at times against the best teams in the league. I mean, and so it felt like, yeah, they, there's something here. They couldn't, there was no consistency, especially with, you know, the younger guys. Um, but I, I do feel like there's some talent there, and, and I, I don't know, like, you know, we'll see what happens next year with a couple of guys coming in and, I'm not like I, I think they'll definitely be better, but I'm, I'm not. I don't think you know. I, I think the most optimistic might be maybe we're like in the mix for an NIT bid, but that's if things really go well. So I, I would say we're probably going to have another mediocre year. I mean, basically, it all comes. It feels like Collins' entire tenure is going to come down to whether or not he can land the uh, the Baldwin. Is it Christie, the other guy? That package deal in a couple of years. Yeah. And if he can pull that off, they might actually like have something. And if he doesn't, that um, if it continues to be a struggle, I could see it them pulling the plug on it. So you think you think um, his seat is or his status is really not in question until that, until that duo of uh, top end recruits is, um, is decided. I, I don't think, I mean, I, I mean, I think we all, I mean, I, if you would have told me in November, you know, but before the season started that they were going to go eight and whatever, 25 or, you know, whatever it was, I would have been like, yeah, that sounds about right. I mean, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, yeah. Like, it's not like, it's not like I felt like, Oh, this was a massive underachievement. Like we all saw what the team was going to be. We all knew that like, uh, our starting point guard was going to be a lacrosse player who had never played college basketball before, and like pleasant was... surprise on that front, though. Yeah. yeah, what's that? Pleasant surprise. Yeah, he was great, but I mean, but if that's your, if you're going into the season with that that being like a guy you're leaning on, I'm like, yeah, we're probably not going to be very good. <laughs> he any good, so so I was like, yeah, I was like not shocked at all, and I and I kind of felt like that the. the the, the the school and like you know the, that department like didn't really didn't really necessarily expect much either this year so to me it's you got to improve next year and then if you can land the big guys in two years then maybe the this is on the right track but if it's if it's if they're bad again next year and then they don't get 
big recruit, then I, it's then it just feels like it's kind of at a rock bottom spot, and they got to move on. It's interesting because with the, the the benefit of hindsight, um, and man, we're all going to be chewing on a lot of hindsight for the next couple months. But uh, with with hindsight, and also the fact that I think you know the three of us essentially turned off our hopes and dreams for anything on the men's the men's hoops front pretty pretty early right and and put a lot of chips onto the onto the women's team um but listening to you talk scott like as, as i'm thinking back on the season i'm like you know we all got we all got real mad about you know frittering away leads late in games and kind of blowing a lot of those games but the reality is is from an expectation standpoint you almost didn't even think Northwestern would be in position to fritter away a lead. And in in some ways that is almost kind of encouraging, isn't it? Well, I mean, they had a decent lead against Maryland at home. They had the big lead at Rutgers. They had the, they, they played, even though they never really seriously threatened Michigan State at home, they actually played pretty well in that game. Like it looked like, it felt like I was watching a real basketball team here. You know, they got run out of the gym when they went to, to Michigan State, but yeah, there were just there were there were games where I, where I felt like I was watching at least for a half. I was like, yeah, I'm watching a real basketball team here that looks like they know what they're doing. Looks like there's talent, guys that can make things happen, and um, you know, they just couldn't do it for a full game. But I'm like, it, it, at least there were a lot of times this year where I wasn't watching and just being like, man, this is just a total disaster of a of a team because. There were a couple times in the in the you know more further back uh, we're talking about in the '90s and the 2000s where you're watching this and you're like yeah these guys don't belong in the Big Ten this is just like I'm, I'm watching like a mid major a bad mid major team try to play in the Big Ten whereas at least I'm with these guys I'm looking at like it looks like these are actual guys who could be successful Big Ten players the coach yeah, we- the coaching staff has to get them there so that's you know that they that's that's on them. Right. I think, you know, when we were talking with Lisa um, last pod and a million years ago again, um, she made a good point about the women's team that they were really lucky in terms of injury luck and lack thereof. Um, Because basically that team basically went coast to coast playing the same two post players or, I mean, again, calling Abby Shia a post player when she led the nation in three-point percentage is a bit of a misnomer. But basically your same two bigs um, for the entire season with the big, just basically them playing the vast majority of the minutes at those two positions all year. And then you juxtapose it with the men where the men took the big injury hit right in their position of weakness, which was the guards. On the flip side, though, A, part of that was offset by, and Scuzz alluded to it, kind of, or Sam alluded to it, kind of like a frankly like miraculous performance by Pat Spencer, who relative to whatever our expectations should have been for him, definitely outperformed those expectations. Um, but also, again, it's like since um, Brian McIntosh and Scotty Lindsay signed uh, with Northwestern, the recruitment and development of guards at Northwestern has been kind of a disaster. I mean, you're talking about Johnny Vassar, Isaiah Brown, Jordan Ash, um, and then... Lathan. Lathan not coming and and everything that goes along with that. And then on one hand, you you know, early on in the year, we're like, wow, Pat Spencer is better than we thought he was. And when Pat Spencer's healthy and Anthony Gaines is out there, um, this team is fired up and is capable of really doing some things. And then 
those guys got hurt and those things were dashed. And by the time Boo got healthy and then kind of got over, you know, just being a freshman basketball player and just all the things that come along with that. I mean, the season was already pretty much winding up. But on the other hand, you look at that and you're like, yeah, but this team had no guards. So like saying, you know, saying, oh, they had bad luck at that position. Like, I mean, that's to your point is like the coaching staff's got to get them there. Like, I mean, we've, this is, we're four or five years into this at this point and we don't have like a wealth of these guys. So yeah, I don't, I mean, again, it's like Ty Berry's coming in next year, but I think you'd have to see a really big freshman performance out of him to get the team to the place where I'd feel like they could get that massive recruiting class that you're talking about. The thing about Spencer was, yeah, he was so, I I mean, we were seeing it through the lens of like, we can't believe that this guy is actually this good. Right. I mean, because we're like, how can somebody who's never hasn't played organized basketball and is like a 22 year old, just like, but you know, you watch them and, and, and there were definitely times watching him. You're like, okay, like, He's definitely playing at whatever Loyola's version of SPAC was, you know, like you can tell he's playing like, like gym, you know, like just open gym games where like a lot of these moves he tried probably definitely worked in the pickup game, but like was a total like disaster to try it in a Big Ten game. And um, that's why that, that was sort of the one part where it was like, man, if, if he had one more year to come back, be able to learn from what he learned this year he really could be could have been really good i think next year and been better in in you know down the stretch when he played i think too much hero ball like in some of those games they were trying to hold on to leads and he's trying to make things happen and go one on three and 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 try to like you know open gym moves that just don't work at that level and but if he the things that he did well man like if he if he had a little bit more time to like refine it he could have been really great next year um but just yeah, I mean, it's still amazing that he was as good as he was. We would be remiss if we didn't talk about the women. I mean, we've talked about the women um, all season long and just what an amazing run and how disappointing is it that just such a magical season, Big Ten champions, uh, you know, they, they weren't able to really kind of finish the finish the journey, if you will. Um, you know, the getting bounced in the first uh, first round against Michigan um, you know, we, we, we talked going in, you know, it's really hard to beat a team three times. And, you know, the first two times the cats had played Michigan was, they were both really close games and, you know, Michigan kind of put it all together and, and got the best of, of the cats, uh, you know, that night in Indianapolis. But, um, you know, we, we all kind of were th- sitting there thinking, it's like, okay, you know, now you got a bit of a chip on your shoulder going into the NCAA tournament. Um, and you know, we were wondering, would that be enough to kind of really kick them into the next year? Open showed some things that they had been skating by on and maybe you, you tighten those up and, you know, see how far it could go or could have gone, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. It was really fun to watch them and, you know, it was good seeing people get behind them. You know, I like seeing you guys get behind them all year and, and talk them up a lot. And, um, yeah, they really were, you know, it really is. It's just one of those things where like, yeah, it's, 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 it's too bad also that, you know, that the big 10, you know, winning the big 10 and, and, and that, that celebration and, and everything 
and then the, and then the next game they kind of you know they they lose and you know we have to kind of go out with that little bad uh, bad taste of you know losing the first game of the of the Big Ten tournament and then not not getting a chance to to sort of um, make up for that and at least um, have a really good shot to make the Sweet Sixteen and and get you know I think it would have been great to get some more national publicity for the team and get them talked about, you know, I just, you know, unfortunately with, with, with the women's game not being talked about as much, uh, you know, once you get past some of the, like maybe the top three or four or five teams, you know, the other teams don't get a whole lot of publicity. So it would have been really cool to get, you know, have an opportunity for them to be playing nationally televised games and potentially playing against, uh, you know, one of those one seeds or, or two seeds, um, you know, in the third round. So that's, uh, yeah, that's, that's tough. And yeah, I, I know, I know we were all looking at, uh, some of that bracketology with, that had Northwestern in the, uh, in the Oregon regional, um, going, you know, to Oregon to play like Yukon and Oregon and, you know, who, whoever else that would, that would have been just insane, Sweet 16 and Elite 8 matchups. Yeah, it would have been crazy. Um, and I think, I mean, you know, who, who knows? I, I think we probably could have competed with, with UConn. You know, I don't know if we would have beaten them, but I think we could have definitely, like, made that a good game. Um, and, and that certainly would have had a lot of people watching, you know? I mean, UConn is, the, you know, the main brand in women's hoops, so it would have been would have been cool and and then from from myself being living in portland and uh i follow the oregon team pretty closely and um and i think they would have had a pretty good chance to win the national championship this year i mean um i feel bad for uh, the player like sabrina unescu who came back for her senior year after you know going out in the final four last year because she wanted to come back one more year and try to make a run for the national championship and doesn't get the chance. So, um, so I feel bad for them too. And, and that Oregon team is going to lose, I think three of their players are supposed to be top five picks of the WNBA draft. So, I mean, they've got a lot to replace. Um, I, I was thinking about not Oregon specifically, but, but just this kind of hanging question. I, and I forget if it's, if it's official yet or not, but the idea that the NCAA might allow, players an additional year of eligibility for this lost season um i know there was there's a i believe they came out and said that all of the spring sports who who did didn't even get a chance to start their season they could all get an extra year i i don't know if they came up with a um a ruling on plan for winter winter sports yeah interesting because well and 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 i guess maybe that makes sense because i was thinking like I'm I'm sure for an Abby Shy who just did senior day or for those players at Oregon who are, you know, on the cusp of becoming professionals, like I, I there seems to be no question of what you would do next year. And and I guess maybe like the difference there is like having gone through the grind of your senior year and, and pushed through everything and gotten to the place where you're at and the idea to think that it's all over and to and to come back and start fresh has gotta be a really hard decision. And I guess I don't know, I was just thinking aloud about like are there any teams that stand to benefit greatly if, if that sort of thing were to happen or if there was a player that you know, had, had a, a reason to apply for a waiver? Maybe they missed you know the first half of the season to injury or something. Um, 
I don't know if there's anything that jumps out or comes to mind, and that could that could that could play on the men's side as well. Yeah, well, I, got, I got I got the sense that like there was some interest, and I'm, I'm I'm sure that there are some players out there that you know maybe wouldn't go, wouldn't play at the next level, uh, that would probably welcome that opportunity. I mean, I I had heard from both the players who uh, you know were just reading local media here, the players that play for Oregon women. And also there's a, a player on the men's team named Peyton Pritchard is really one of the top point guards in the country. Uh, they were kind of asked like, Hey, would you consider coming back if they did that? And they all were pretty diplomatic in saying like, we're ready to make money. You know, like I think <laughs> they, as, as much as like they love being like a part of this and wanting, and wanting that opportunity, they also were like, there's money out there to be made and it's time. It's my time to go do that now because you know i'm an adult i'm graduating from college and i'm gonna go and make money you know so <laughs> I, I think i don't think that when push came to shove the the players who really had a chance to like go to the next level and you know even the ones who might have to go play in europe i think there still would have been like that lure of you know yeah college was great but i, I can go make a paycheck now and that's probably what you know what most of them would have chosen i think it's funny. I, I will say, as long as we're talking about this hypothetical extending eligibility for the men's and women's basketball, I think we need to extend this eligibility to any football player missing their spring practice right now should get an extra year of eligibility. And I say this only because that would get TJ Green up to seven years of eligibility. <laughs> and, and at that point, how push for 10? Like at that point, you you we're pretty much all be obligated to find a way to get TJ a full decade at Northwestern. I think we could get there. Approaching um, Ashmeyer yeah. status. I, yeah, right. Well, that's the thing. He is, someone has to break the tie, right? I mean, the TJ Ashmeyer six year tie. You need you need a decider <laughs> there. <laughs> I don't know. I'm 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 just saying. Look, like our our country needs leaders right now, and I feel like you know. If we pump enough education into TJ Green, he just might be able to, <laughs> to lead us out of this this whole issue. Uh, oh, craziness. I know this isn't a football podcast, but at some point I need to hear from you guys about all, like, 12 quarterbacks that we have on our team right now. <laughs> it seems like there's way too many guys. Yeah, I mean, we, you know, we're going to have a lot, a little bit of time to talk about that moving forward, I think. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it, it's it's going to be crazy, and just kind of the the I was really interested to see coming out of spring who was you know separating themselves, and you know we'd heard that you know, Hunter Johnson was having a pretty decent spring so far, or to that point. Um, you know, obviously, so much is yet to be known about you know when things are even potential to come back. Um, you know, and what does that look like? Uh, hopefully things will, you know, start to get back to normal in a, a month or two. And, you know, maybe there is no spring practice, but maybe they give it like an extra week or so in the summer. Um, you know, you'd like to see like an off season workout plan for football. And, you know, as everyone kind of gets, gets into gear, um, you know, I, I know all the coaches are, you know, hating that they're missing all these practices now, but, uh, yeah, it, it, it's going to be really interesting going into next season. You know, who's going to end up starting? I, I, I think our our thoughts are, you know, it, it's probably Peyton Ramsey's job to lose, right? 
it feels that way. And we talked about last week, like he's, he's the far and away the most accomplished, um, quarterback in the room now, right. With, with what he's, what he's done in two and a half years as the starter at Indiana. Um, and then a half year as, as the backup to Michael Penix going to the season. Um, it, it's, it's interesting though, because like the pedigree of Hunter Johnson kind of kind of lords over that as well, and and you wonder if this gives him the um, the freedom to just put his head down and work, you know, work hard and and not worry about that mantle, um, not worry about living up to expectations in the same sort of way. I, I don't know. I, I, the dynamics are really fascinating to think about, um, but the, there's no bones about the fact that Northwestern is a lot better football team with with Peyton Ramsey. Um, a guy who has proven it in the big 10 at, at a team. Like this is, this is not a guy that came from, you know, Michigan who had like five-star offensive linemen all around him. I mean, Indiana has had a, has had a real solid, good team the last couple of years, but um, Ramsey has been a huge part of that, right? Like, so this is, well, you know, some other things I've been thinking about along the same lines of these weirdness kind of things. I mean, it kind of feels like Peyton Ramsey, like, leapt through the transfer portal which then exploded behind him like as soon as he like rolled out um it's you it's not that guys can't transfer it's that you know we had all this talk about okay our guys going to transfer out and everything and it's like well unfortunately like these guys are not able to transfer out into a position where they're suddenly like doing spring practice right um and then i think you talked about scuzz when last we talked about ramsey the fact that he would be showing up at northwestern late um, and I think the reason, and I mean, it's, this is one of these things that these ridiculous random wrinkles, I think it's because he still had student teaching hours that he still has to finish up. Um, and it's like, how's that getting finished up? I mean, it's gotta be, there's gotta be some sort of waiver attached to that or et cetera. Right. Um, and then on the flip side, we talked about, you know, that amongst others, Hunter and Marty are like champing at the bit to get out there. Right. And now those guys are basically cooling their heels, so it's not like they're building some sort of lead right now over Ramsey while he's not at Northwestern. I mean, no one's really doing anything right now. Um, and, you know, it could be that by the time this all does get started up, Ramsey, you know, that the next time these guys all step on a football field, Ramsey is right there alongside them. And, you know, what that all means, I don't really know. I guess you could argue that it would improve Ramsey's chances of starting. But, I mean, who even knows at this point? It feels like uh, this is going to result in uh, Fitz putting like uh, four guys on the opening week depth <laughs> chart with a bunch of ors, like Johnson or right. Ramsey or Marty. Or it's going to be right. a string of guys with or in between. Yeah, I, that feels like a given. At the same time, like maybe Bajakin will talk some sense into him. I don't. I don't know. Like I never knew if that was a McCall thing or a or a Fitz thing, or like a McCall was, you know, it's interesting because McCall was never, never one that was out front and open, like talking to the media and like, it just wasn't his personality. Um, and it, I don't know. You look at, at the, at the, at the publicity, publicity is the wrong word. You look at the coverage that Kurt Anderson got last year and, um, the coverage that, Bajakian has even gotten in the offseason just getting to talk about his offense and how it's structured and this, that, and the other thing. And, and it's just, it's so like McCall was almost under lock and key 
for the last eight years. And with good, with good reason, <laughs> right? Right. Like, I think there was maybe some strategy behind that, but, um, I, like I would like to think that much in the way that we've done away with the super back moniker, which I had no problem with, but maybe we can do away with some of the other just things that were unique and stupid about Northwestern football, uh, on the offensive side. Uh, don't hold your breath. Yeah, I guess I'm, I, I shouldn't. Well, um, I, I think we should probably just leave it there for tonight. Um, you know, like we say, we've got, uh, some uncertain waters ahead. Uh, you know, we might be taking a little bit of time between pods. Uh, you know, that a lot of that still remains to be seen. Um, you know, we'll, we'll kind of see how things go as we move forward, but, uh, we're not going anywhere. I mean, we, we will still be here talking. Um, you know, we've got our, uh, NFL draft pod that we're in the works, uh, of putting together. It's going to look a little different this year than it has the past years. I'm a little bummed that we're not going to have the, the floating island in the middle of the Bellagio fountains, uh, where they were going to announce the picks. That was, I was looking forward to just seeing how insane Vegas was going to get for the NFL draft, but, um, it's going to look a little different, but, uh, I, I, you know, we're definitely putting something together, um, possibly with our friends down, uh, winning cures, everything guys, uh, try to get them on for another live NFL draft pod. Um, so be, be on the lookout for that kind of moving forward. Um, and that pod is, that pod is reliably a train wreck every year in the best so possible good. way. In the and, best possible and, way. In the best possible way. And that seems like a really easy mark to hit this year. So <laughs> <laughs> I, I do, I just, I did want to ask Scott one other question. Um, so everybody is, everybody's now coming up with like faux brackets to bracketize. And you're like, this is the, this is the thing. If we were going to do one bracket on our podcast, like what, what topic should we hit? Oh man. I wasn't prepared for this question. <laughs> I apologize. <laughs> I'll just, I'll, I'll, I'll vamp a little bit while you, th- while, while you, while you ponder. So there's like inside NU right now has got like the greatest Northwestern football team of all time bracket where they've, you know, queued up a bunch of different NU teams over time. There's um I'm I really like I really like name based brackets. Like uh-huh. I think like the best Northwestern football player name of all time would be pretty funny. Um That's a great I idea. love it. I love it. Cause that let that really allows you to explore the, the depth of history without having to um get too uh uh too into the weeds on who was better than whom. Yeah, I mean <laughs> you could do a um uh, I always thought one time I, I wanted to just like write down all of the Northwestern quarterbacks in the 25 years that I've watched them and ranked them and not so much even about like how good they were, but by how much I either liked or, 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 or hated them. So like, <laughs> <laughs> who, so, like people... who, who are your one seeds? Who are your 16 seeds? So like, so like people like, uh, People like Nick Cranebrink would have done like unreasonably <laughs> well in this bracket, <laughs> whereas um, like Gavin Hoffman would be like. I was, you know, what's funny? I was just thinking about Gavin Hoffman. You like you should seed them according to like their recruiting pedigree because Hoffman would have been relatively high and would have been like ripe for a first round upset by a, by a, the likes hey, of a Nick Crimebrink. Hey, didn't he? He won some games at Penn, didn't he? I think you know, just just not for enough. Just not for just not for Northwestern. <laughs> yeah, and and I'm sure, and I, I you know I was I was feel bad calling anybody out on a, a, a 
I'm sure I'm sure he's a a fine person. Uh, but it was just that that one year was such a disaster, and uh, I remember I remember part of his decision to to leave was apparently based on on the fact that he he was having trouble handling the uh, the pressure from the student media. <laughs> and I was, that was like, wow. I guess he really does need to go to Penn. So I, mean, I remember that. To... Now that you say that, I, I I distinctly remember that. That was amazing. The, yeah, the, the, the Daily Northwestern got too much on his case. I guess. Yeah, so, those those yikes. wild wild WNUR folks, man. That's that's the problem with these with these uh, high school quarterbacks coming out of Minnesota. Football is like a third tier sport there. Yeah. Right. Yeah. They don't. They're not under the microscope like the hockey players are there. So. They're, not, they're not thrown into the pressure cooker that is yeah. late '90s Evanston. Yeah. I oh, I just saw. I just thought of another bracket. You mentioned Minnesota high school hockey. What if we did a best hair bracket mm. of Northwestern athletes? I mean, you could just go ahead Ooh. and just give it to Tim Doyle right now, but. Uh, uh, what we could maybe or, dig or, a little deeper. Or RCB. I was about to say RCB accepts the challenge, but I, I like the potential of this one. That feels sure. like a lot more work than the name bracket. I'm just sure, being honest. Sure. No, <laughs> it is. It is. You got to do a lot of photos, and then you got to have a visual element there. It's, you know. yeah, this is this is this is where this is where we are. <laughs> and, and to our listeners, if you guys have any thoughts of brackets, we should do. Let us know. Hit us up on Twitter. Uh, shoot us an email, westlawpirates at gmail.com. Uh, you know, Facebook, Instagram, and any of those. Let us know because, uh, you know, we're definitely looking for some ideas as we tr- we struggle to fill the next couple months of content. Um, yeah, br- brackets, topics. If you just want us to talk about, like, funny stories about our kids um, while we're all sequestered with them um, over the, the upcoming weeks, like, we're we're up for anything. I mean, I I I literally have no plans after after my kids go to sleep every single night. Yeah, all all of you with kids, I um, I feel for you right now, having to be home all the time with them. I, hey, I don't have I don't have kids, and I've also worked from home for the last twelve years. So this is like not nothing for me. This is just my normal life. So I, mean, I uh, you know, other than I like. I didn't go out for lunch today. That's really the only thing that's different for me. So, um, so yeah, if you, if you ever need any advice about working from home, I've been doing it a long time. <laughs> uh, well, again, you know, take the recharge, uh, fire, fire up the engines. You'll be that much ready for another 25 years of, uh, of bracket pools. Um, this is, this is your rest year. First 25 rest year, the next 25. If the Olympics actually happen, I usually try to do something for that. So, well, maybe that'll happen. Yeah, we'll we'll see. Um, anyways, yeah. Scott, thanks so much for jumping on with us tonight. Um, I, I know you had a very busy schedule, I'm sure. Um, so, th- happy ten year anniversary! Yeah, happy buddy. ten years, my man. Yeah, it's been it's been uh, it's crazy that it's been that long, but it's always always fun to talk to you guys. And uh, yeah, it's great that you guys are still you're still plugging away after all these years too. So it's it's great. Well, that'll just about wrap it up for this week. Uh, head to our website westlawpirates.com where you can leave comments and questions. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Westlaw Pirates, and email the show westlawpirates at gmail.com. Tune in next time as we give our visceral and statistical views on Northwestern athletics, and look for us in the Westlaw Brian Field flying the red pirate flag because we give no quarter, especially the fourth. John Lacombe and Eric Scasby, I'm Sam Walter. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next time.